Welcome back to Mama Mystery Headlines. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-anchor, Austin. (laughs) Co-anchor, I like that. Today is February 17th, and today we are going to be sharing with you some of the headlines from this week that caught my eye, and then at the end of the episode, Austin has a couple positive news stories to end this week on a positive note. And Kelly has no idea what they are. I have no idea what they are, and I love this. I mean, this is like, this is cake. You have it so easy Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> to like, to just be able to sit there and listen to a story. Oh, I'm so envious. Well, you're going to get to listen to a couple. I'm excited. All right, let's get into it. The first story today is out of East Lansing, Michigan, where a gunman opened fire on students from Michigan State University, killing three students and seriously wounding five on Monday evening. At 8.18 p.m., 911 received a call that there was a shooter in Berkey Hall on campus. By 8.31 p.m., a mass text was sent to the students of the university from MSU police saying, quote, secure in place immediately, run, hide, fight, Man, that's a scary text to get. I mean, that is horrifying. Like, without much context, Mm -hmm. and that's the text you get, like... I would be sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. The shooter, 43-year-old Anthony McRae, first entered into room 114 where Marco Diaz Munoz was teaching his Cuban literature class. Mr. Diaz Munoz said, quote, I could see this figure, and it was so horrible because when you see someone who's totally masked, you don't see their face, you don't see their hands. It was like seeing a robot. He shot at least 15 times, one after the other, one after the other, bang, 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 end quote. Then the shooter stepped out and continued down the hall towards another door that entered that same classroom. So Mr. Diaz Munoz tried to barricade the door while telling kids to just break through the windows and escape. The room was on the first floor, so kids started breaking windows and crawling out while some stayed behind to help kids who were wounded by applying pressure to their wounds. Holy shit. Two of the students, Arielle Anderson and Alexandria Werner, were killed in that classroom. Arielle Anderson was very ambitious. She was a junior and planned on going to med school to become a pediatric surgeon. She was compassionate and gentle and sweet She loved working with kids, and her smile was infectious. She loved photography, something that she learned from her uncle. And she posted on Instagram about rollerblading with her friends, and she just seemed to really love to have fun. She passionately loved her family, spending a lot of time with her grandmother and her aunts. One of her aunts actually had special needs, and Arielle was so compassionate and helpful with her. Her family was her whole life. Alexandria Werner was kind, positive, and everything you would want in a friend. She was also a junior, and she was studying biology, earning straight A's. In high school, she was a star athlete, playing volleyball, basketball, and softball. She was in a lot of leadership groups and a tremendous student and so, so loved. After leaving room 114 of Berkey Hall, the shooter reportedly shot another student in room 135, and then he went to the student union, where he opened fire again, killing Brian Frazier, who was working at the union at the time. Brian Frazier was a sophomore and the president of his fraternity, Phi Delta Theta. He was studying business and economics, and he really exemplified what it meant to be a leader and a model student. He was active in sports like lacrosse, swimming, diving, and baseball. He was also active in his church from a very young age. 
He was very nice and friendly, warm and approachable. He just made people feel like he was a genuinely nice guy who cared deeply about his friends and family. And you actually know someone who is like connected to Brian. Yeah. So he said that, you know, the family as a whole, Brian's family was just amazing. He said they represented America like good, just good down. Salt of the earth. Yeah. Salt of the earth people. I mean, I'm not as good at words as you, but he said they were amazing. Um, He said, Brian was just heart of gold, great guy. And, you know, we had a, a conversation about just how, one, you can never get in the mind of these shooters, these mm-hmm. murderers, and, and you can't even begin to think like them because right. we're just not messed up individuals. But then also we had a conversation just about how the worst thing that could ever happen, you send your kid off to college to this school that you think is a safe place, a safe community, and that's the call you get is that your son or daughter was murdered. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like just heartbreaking and yeah. it's senseless. It's such an uh, just a complete moron that does this and then not to skip ahead and ruin it, but doesn't even have the courage to live on, takes his own life. Right. I yeah. Mean, and I mean, he planned this out and we'll get into this too, but like, you know, the it's, it's impossible for us to try to understand why. And I think that's always the biggest question when these things happen is why everyone's like, why would somebody do this? Mm-hmm. We'll never understand. And thank God we won't, because I would hate to be in that type of mindset. But that's, I think, part of why people are fascinated by true crime, because you try to understand the human condition that would make somebody do this, but you just can't. And so all you can try to do is learn from it and, you know, try to take, you know, precautions. But I mean... I think you do a good job. I think it's something you do an incredible job of is... Like, I just stuttered around at it, but you do such a good job of telling about the victims Mm -hmm. and letting them kind of live on. That's what I think a lot of people admire about this. I think it's so important to acknowledge the victims and who we lost. And I think it, you know, brings it a little closer to home when you talk about, like, who they really were as people. These are these are real people. These are real students. I, I think sometimes it can get lost because... So often in true crime, you focus on the people who did it because you're trying to understand why someone would do it. And so so the victims sometimes get a little bit lost in the shuffle. And I try my best to really acknowledge who those people were, what was amazing about them, and what we lost as a community. You know, we are now, like, void of these amazing people that could have turned out to be something absolutely amazing. We just talked about it in the Gainesville case. These four women and Manny Tabota were all very smart like contributing members of society mm-hmm. and we lost them because of one person that didn't deserve to be a part of society. It just feels so unfair. Like you said, we get caught up trying to learn more about the the suspect mm-hmm. and then also like we're numb to it as a country cuz bad shit happens all the time. Every day. Every day and like it's so crazy think about in the news when Think about in the news, and especially in big cities, where it will be like they're just recapping the day, and they'll be like, and then there was a shooting here, and two were murdered. Mm-hmm. On to the next story. Yeah, and they don't talk about the victims at all. It's insane. They might mention the name of the shooter, but even in this episode, I tried to make a point to m- not mention his name mm-hmm. and just say the shooter. Like I said his name obviously once, but I'm not going to say it anymore right. because I don't think he deserves it. But right. um, I don't know. I mean, obviously. 
this raises the question of what we could be doing differently to protect our students, to protect our families. And I don't know what that answer is. I honestly don't I mean, know either. But we are gonna we're, we are gonna touch on that in just a second. So I'll just continue with what happened, and yeah, then we'll kind of circle back. But. After the shooter left the student union, police were already in action, arriving on the scene. I mean, this was this happened so fast, the, the response. Mm-hmm. The university put out an alert to the community to shelter in place, and they quickly distributed a, sh- a snapshot of the shooter as he was captured on surveillance on campus. 911 dispatch was also inundated with calls describing the shooter, a short black male wearing red and black tennis shoes, black pants, a denim jacket, a blue hat with a brown rim, and a a covering over part of his face, like a ski mask. Mm -hmm. The public was notified with that description at 9.56 p.m., and police sent another alert telling the the campus to, quote, turn cell phones to silent, end quote. Again, how terrifying Mm -hmm. to just, like, to know that you have to stay silent because nobody knows where this guy is and he could just be in your hallway. Right. Sickening. Within two hours, he was spotted off campus walking on foot about four miles away, and as he was approached by police, he shot himself. Gosh. In his backpack, police found two 9mm handguns that were legally purchased but not legally registered. There was also a note found as well indicating that he had intentions to shoot up specific local businesses, including two other public schools in New Jersey. So out of precaution, the schools in that district canceled classes the following day. Part of the note said, quote, "Uh, hi, my name is blank. I will be shooting up MSU, end quote. So like he had plans and intentions. Hardcore premeditated, like thought through this. What a sicko. And the police, you know, revealed that part of the note, but we don't know what else the note said other than that he seemed to have feel felt slighted by some of these businesses. Like some of them were ones that he had worked at and had been let go or asked to leave. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like taking out vengeance wherever he could. Man. Also in his backpack were eight loaded magazines of 9mm ammunition, and in his jacket, he also had another fully loaded magazine. There was also a pouch in his backpack containing about 50 more loose bullets. So he obviously intended to just go on an absolute rampage, and he did, but thankfully he was stopped before he could hurt more people. Mm-hmm. It was obvious that this guy had some mental health issues, and his dad said that he became bitter, isolated, and evil angry after his mom died from a stroke two years ago. After that, he stopped taking care of himself, so his teeth started falling out, and his hair got so out of control that his dad said he looked like a wolf man, and he would just rarely come out of his room. So, listen, I have compassion for people suffering from mental health, but what really irritates me about this is that the dad saw him losing touch with reality, obviously in a deep depression, not taking care of himself. His teeth are falling out. At some point, did you not think to like get him some fucking help? Like, mm-hmm. or say, hey, you need some help. I'm, I, this is above my pay grade. I'm going to send you somewhere. No, he just let him like recluse into his bedroom. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously you can't, you can't predict that these things are going to happen. But, like, as a parent, don't you think you should have seen some red flags when your son, who is acting evil, angry, and he's, his teeth are falling out, that, like, maybe he needs some help? Mm-hmm. I don't know. A few years ago, 
The shooter was charged with carrying a concealed weapon, which would have been a felony if he were convicted. And you can't purchase a gun if you have a felony on your record. But he pleaded guilty instead to a misdemeanor and spent a year and a half on probation. And his probation kept getting extended, but the reasons why aren't clear. In 2021, he purchased two guns despite having that misdemeanor charge on his record. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel told Wolf Blitzer on CNN that he should not have been able to buy a gun, in her opinion, but she also admitted, quote, we don't have universal background checks here in Michigan, end quote. Four out of the five students who were injured are still in critical condition. Yesterday, Michigan's Michigan Senate Democrats introduced 11 bills in an effort to tighten gun regulations. It includes universal background checks for gun purchases, safe storage requirements for gun owners, and red flag laws that would allow judges to temporarily confiscate a gun from someone posing a risk to others or themselves. So I guess that's their attempt to... Yeah, which I I don't really want to go into that just from the standpoint of I mean, it gets so political. Yeah. And I don't... It does get very... I'm not even going to go down the road of any of it because I don't think that it just skews the whole conversation, which sucks. Right. How bad does it suck? We don't want to polarize anybody here or we don't want to make anyone feel like their views are important or hurt or whatever. But like, we're not going to discuss our personal views in regards to politics. But let me just... just very polarizing. Yeah. But let me just say this. It, it sucks really bad that as a country, we've gotten to where we've made every single thing so political, everything, mm-hmm. to the point that we can't even have conversation about it. Because if you're not on one side, you get torn to shreds by the other side. And mm-hmm. I don't care which one you're on. Yeah, it goes both ways. It's, it's, it, like, again, not to get into a big political conversation, I'll just land the plane here mm-hmm. and say it really sucks that we're to this point as a country and everything is so extreme one side or the other Mm -hmm. and everything gets drug and political Mm -hmm. and everybody's screaming like toddlers. And so our system's just And at the end of the day, students keep dying because we can't just come together and figure out a resolution. And everything has to be so radical Mm -hmm. because like, again, like not going into it, but like, oh, let's take guns away. Okay, that's pretty extreme. Oh no, there does they shouldn't be passing any bills. Everybody should be able to buy a gun. It's America. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. extreme. Like, mm-hmm. why do we have to have everything be so so radical? Right. Well, I get it. Trust me. I it's mean frustrating. we could talk for an hour about this. But um, some students at the school were present in twenty twenty one when there was a school shooting at Oxford High School in Michigan. One of those students was Emma Riddle, who tweeted Monday night. Quote, 14 months ago, I had to evacuate from Oxford High School when a 15-year-old opened fire and killed four of my classmates and injured seven more. Tonight, I am sitting under my desk at Michigan State University once again, texting everyone, I love you. When will this end? End quote. It sucks. So bad. Yeah. When will it end? I don't know. Our next story is out of East Palestine, Ohio. On February 3rd, shortly before 9 p.m. Eastern time, a Norfolk Southern train derailed near the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio. Nobody was hurt in the derailment, but about 20 out of the 150 rail cars were carrying hazardous materials, including carcinogens and a variety of contaminants. Five of those cars were carrying vinyl chloride 
and authorities authorized a controlled burn of those chemicals, resulting in a temporary evacuation of the area. So vinyl chloride is a man-made substance and a key ingredient in making PVC. Inhalation of vinyl chloride can cause shortness of breath, headaches, and dizziness, while chronic exposure to high levels can cause liver damage, nervous system damage, and cancer. In fact, it's been shown to cause liver, brain, lung, and other types of cancer. Many scientists believe there is no safe level of exposure to a carcinogen, and vinyl chloride under combustion produces phosgene. And that was a hazardous chemical used in, it was like a chemical weapon used in World War I. Insane. And it's being released into the air of this small town. These are those big, huge black clouds you see on Instagram talking about it, right? Yes, yes. And then another rail car lost its entire load of butyl acrylate, which is a clear liquid used to make paint, adhesives, and caulk. Exposure to butyl acrylate can cause headaches, dizziness, nausea, and irritation to the nose, throat, and lungs. Some residents in the area have already reported having headaches and rashes in the days since the derailment, and many have expressed frustration at what they say is a lack of answers from the railroad company and public officials. So on February 6th, three days after the derailment, crews released the vinyl chloride into a trench where they burned it off, and this caused that huge plume of black smoke to rise into the sky. The fire burned for two days before it was finally extinguished, and officials say that the air quality was measured and deemed to be safe before they lifted the evacuation order. Bullshit. I completely agree. The EPA was on site testing air samples and announced that they did not detect any levels of health concern in the area. And they were also testing the air within nearly 500 homes and reported no detection of vinyl chloride or hydrogen chloride. But I would like to know if it's also testing for the presence of phosgene or these other carcinogens carcinogens that are released when Mm -hmm. you set these things on fire. Mm Mm-hmm. So a representative for the Ohio Department of Health said, quote, the good news is by the time we were at the decision point for potentially bringing people who had evacuated back into the impacted area, we had we had on hand air testing that told us that the air looked pretty much like it did before this event ever happened. Which if you I'm sure most of you have seen the pictures, Mm -hmm. but if you look at the pictures of the black cloud, Mm -hmm. like you and I were just talking about it and you described it like it's worse than any storm cloud we've ever seen. And we're in Midwest. Mm -hmm. We're in like Tornado Alley and it is insane. Yeah. It looks like apocalyptic. It's black. It does. And it's creepy. And to sit here and say, oh, it's good. I mean, that's such bullshit. Nothing to worry about. Um, The cloud is still there. How can you tell me there's nothing to worry about? And it's traveling. It's supposed to be in Cincinnati or over Cincinnati by this evening, apparently. And traveling all the way to the East Coast. Like, it's bonkers. Yeah. And that's just the cloud. That's not even considering the damage it's done to the land that it seeped into or the water that, Mm -hmm. you know, it infected also. So meanwhile, they're trying to minimize the concerns of residents in the area, and the Ohio Department of Natural Resources estimated nearly 3,500 fish have died as a result of the chemicals being in the water, and more than 20 families reported that their veterinarian diagnosed their pets with vinyl chloride poisoning. Literally, people's pets, their dogs, cats, are dying in their front front and backyards. One lady had like a coop of chickens, and she went out, and all of her chickens were dead. 
which here we go in all this science stuff and all this pharmaceutical and everything else. We always test on animals, right? Mm-hmm. We test on rats. And if it kills them or if it kills the animals, they, they deem things not appropriate for human consumption. Mm-hmm. But here we are. These animals are dying in these yards and they're telling all of us, you're fine. Yeah. I promise the air quality is fine. I know your dogs are dying. I'm not laughing because it's just, it's just bonkers. It's that ridiculous It is. And, and, like, and it's sad that there's people that are believing the media. Mm-hmm. They're leaning on the media and trusting them full, like wholeheartedly. And they're telling them, oh, it's good. No, the, I promise it's okay. You know, the, the thing is, though, I feel like people have built such a distrust towards media that they're actually starting to question things a lot more. And, you know, even going on TikTok, people are posting their own experience. Like one lady was making a cup of coffee from her water out of her sink. And when she poured her creamer into it, it started sizzling and popping. Like and Pop then, Rocks, you told me. Yeah, like Pop Rocks. Yeah. And then she posted another video where she cleaned out her coffee maker and put bottled water in it and then made a cup of coffee, poured the same creamer in and nothing happened. I mean, that's just one example, but Mm -hmm. beyond that, there's people who are, you know, throwing rocks into the Creek and like just the disturbance of the rock being thrown in the Creek is releasing all this like oily sheen to the top of the water. Oh, you can totally see that there's something in the water. Yeah. And then there's, you know, bubbles bubbles. coming up too. I mean, it's just like, it's very unnatural. It's obviously unnatural. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I reached out to one of my closest friends who is a, a, scientist. She's an actual scientist, has a PhD. And she was telling me like, they are not doing enough for how damaging these chemicals can be. And it's not even about things being at a high exposure. It's even the most minimal exposure can cause damage. And, you know, for them to say, oh, it's fine. Okay. Maybe you think it's fine now, but what about the long-term effects of people breathing this stuff in Mm -hmm. or washing their bodies with it or drinking it? Like, we're not going to know that for a while, I'm sure, just how damaging this this event truly is. I agree with you 100%. And then when all this stuff gets in the water and it goes down the Mississippi River to mm-hmm. all the lower states, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. When this cloud floats over to the East Coast, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to say that, you know, the I think it was the Ohio River or some big river that it's kind of pouring into will dilute it enough. And I'm like, that's not good enough for me, though. And when you think about all the farm crops that are going to be affected by this too. And like, do you know where your produce comes from? Like it could, could it be coming from there? You don't know. That's really nerve wracking. Yeah. I saw a post and I don't remember the exact statistic, but it said something along the lines of that black cloud of smoke or of this, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It, what it is over is like some stupid amount, like 95% farmland or something. Like, I don't yeah. know what the statistic was, but the point is, yeah. But it's like, terrifying. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on Wednesday night, hundreds of residents piled into a high school gym to express their concerns of long-term exposure and feeling like they were being lied to. One resident shouted, quote, why are people getting sick if there's nothing in the air or in the water? which of course was received by a thunderous applause from all the residents. Others have taken to social media, like I've talked about, and, you know, even doctors and scientists are coming, um, you know, making these videos and posting them about how if their family lived in that area, they would leave and never come back. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. This whole story has been really wildly underreported, which just kind of makes you ask the question, I wonder why. Raise your eyebrows, right? Uh-huh. And it's very unsettling to see some of the pictures from this huge plume from the burn. Um, like I said, you know, it's this huge dark cloud. It looks like there's a really bad storm coming, but it looks, you know, I've seen pictures from on the ground where people are posting about it, and it looks like the worst storm cloud I've ever seen. 
and like you said, like we've li- we live in the Midwest, we've seen storm clouds. Mm-hmm. But um, even more unsettling was a passenger airplane flew over the area where the cloud was and snapped a picture of it. And so I'll post it to our socials. But it's literally this huge black circle in the midst of like a white sheet of clouds. And I just would not want to be under that cloud. And I cannot believe that officials in Ohio are not taking this more seriously. Yeah. So I have a couple comments. Yeah. If that's that's kind of the end of it. So number one, not only officials in Ohio, here's the thing. And again, not to get political. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I truly don't think, I think anybody who's listening, right, left, whatever, can understand that this isn't right, Mm -hmm. which is. Ohio has reached out to our administration, presidential administration, and asked for assistance. Mm-hmm. We've sent, they were denied. Okay. So we've sent over $100 billion to Ukraine through all these bills that we've created to pass, whether it be stimulus or all this, whatever it is. And every single one of them has money chalked in there for gender studies and for overseas support for all these different foreign countries. But now something's happening in Ohio, mm-hmm. in the middle of America. And they're asking for assistance and they get declined. They've yeah, gotten nothing. Nothing they could have had any control over. The yeah. residents had no control over this, but they are the ones that are going to be affected yeah. and hurt by this. So That's I'm no, really infuriating. It is. It's sad. And, and like, I'm no expert in foreign affairs. Okay. I really don't know shit about it. And I think it's funny how whenever all this stuff pops up in the world, everybody's all of a sudden expert on everything. Mm-hmm. But like to, to not give them any assistance... I mean, it's just kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. If it was we weren't dishing out money to anybody because we're tightening up the the federal budget, mm-hmm. okay. But it's not that. It's we're going to send hundreds of billions of dollars to other countries and zero to Ohio, to our American people. It's yeah. just crazy. It's very other thing, frustrating. Other thing I want to share. Did you know that two days ago there was a train derailed in Michigan? I did not know this. So in Norfolk Southern, by Norfolk Southern. Same, same company. Oh, really? That's yeah. the operator of the train. Yeah. So there was, um, there was a train derailed in Michigan in Van Buren tra- Township. It was carrying hazardous materials also, mm-hmm. but none of it spilled, they're saying, which who knows what you can believe. But again, wildly unreported. So in this headline, Mama Mystery Headlines, our news, it's like, so you've had, in February, you've had two trains derail carrying hazardous materials or, or whatever you want to call it, chemicals. It's gone wildly unreported. And then in the last couple of weeks, everybody knew about the white spy balloon, whatever, okay? The Chinese spy balloon. Yeah, okay, whatever. Guess what? We've had five other objects shot down over American soil, some in the lower 48, one of over Alaska, five. And they were all... They were initially, it was kind of creeping out the news and it was, they were UFOs and not saying aliens, but unidentified, mm-hmm. right? The literal meaning unidentified flying objects. And then as the last few days have unfolded, if you dig and look for it, which it's not getting reported on on a large scale, they're saying, oh, they were just um, weather balloons and they were just... And when you guys are overreacting, I saw yeah. something about that, and that the Chinese government was saying, yeah. you guys are really overreacting and we're going to basically retaliate for this in some yeah. form. And then they said that they said that the um, it, initially when it was happening, there was one over Alaska and stuff, they were saying that it could be some type of alien activity from another world or whatever. And then they've retracted all that because probably because it scared people. And they've said, no, we've already identified. They're basically saying we've identified that we don't know what it is, but it wasn't that. We've identified that it's unidentified, but yes. we have not identified anything that's identifiable. A hundred percent. And also you can tell that it's cold outside because of the way that it feels cold. Yeah. Neat.
All right, well, since we have taken up about 30 minutes talking about these two big stories, which are very important and worthwhile, we are going to end it now with two positive stories from Austin. Yeah. I'm excited about these. I'm excited too. I have two, and I feel like I've just completely done my homework, and I don't know how I'm going to outdo this. And I can't imagine how you feel when you accomplish all these episodes because you're way better at this. Well, thanks. Okay, because you have a lot of work in them, and I'm like, I see a story, and I'm like, that's going to be my story, and now here I am. Okay. Um, first story, this happened January 13th. Okay. Okay. So it's a little old. It's not headline. That's okay. It's, it fits them. Fits it. New enough. Okay. So armed officers in Kentucky responded to a 911 call of a 17 year old named Elijah Siraki, who was playing rainbow six siege, uh, like shooter video game on Xbox. Is that like GTA or something? No, it's more like, like a call of duty or something, I think. Oh, okay. So he's playing this rainbow six game. Okay. A first-person shooter game. And when he was playing, you know how on your iPhone you can bump the two buttons and then it will slide for emergency call? Yes. He accidentally slid for emergency call. Okay, so it was on the phone with the dispatcher for four minutes. Oh, no. And he ends up yelling, I killed two people. Oh, my God. As he's looking at the TV screen. So officers show up, and I'll give you some more detail throughout this process after, but I want to give you the bulk of it first. So... Officers show up. He knows because his dog is frantically jumping to the front window and pulling back and running across the house. So he looks out the window and he sees that he's surrounded by officers. So he walks out his garage. Okay. And I'm going to play you the video of when he walks outside. So this kid is 17 years old, just a normal 17 year old playing games. And he's walking out of his garage like, oh shit. And I'm going to play you the first part of this video. Okay. And we'll put it on the mama mystery page as well. Yeah. I was off playing the game, and uh, I got butt out the phone. Okay. That was my bad. What? No, no. It's only me home. It's not like all of you. Okay, Everyone inside, okay? Nobody's inside. Don't me. Bring him out. Okay, so I won't keep playing it. We'll post the video on the page. Yeah, but he walks out and he's like, uh, I, it was me. I was playing the game. I butt dialed. Yeah, he's shaking. <laughs> oh he's shaking. And because I've watched an interview of him talking about it to learn more about this. So and as he walks halfway down the driveway, you'll see him look right in the video. And he realizes that there's an officer with a rifle pointed at him. Oh my God. There's two officers with their handguns pulled. He's surrounded by four armed officers. Oh, my God. It's like broad daylight, too. It's yeah. like middle of the afternoon. Middle of the day. So... Anyways, um, what ends up happening, he tells them that he was playing Rainbow Six. He's clearly extremely (laughs) scared. He's like quivering. His lips are quivering and stuff. I guess his mom saw the or got an alert or something of the video on out front and turned it on and was watching it. Uh And so anyways, he they end up searching his house. He gives them permission to search the house. They realize it was truly just playing a video game. Yeah. And um one of the officers really cool and knows he's scared. He, this guy plays rainbow six also. And I guess there's like operators in the game or something. And he kind of tries to cool off Elijah by saying, so who's your favorite operator? And they start talking about the game. So Elijah acknowledges that the police handled it very well, but here's something funny. That okay. Could have handled, that could have ended horribly bad. I mean, really, really bad. And like, I, I can appreciate the response because obviously like you hear someone say, I just killed two people. It's like, 
yeah, you're going to approach that house with yeah. some caution. But then I feel so bad for him at the same time because he's just like, because I was just playing a game. It was just a fun dog. I'm sorry. He looks like a big teddy bear. Yeah, you can tell he's so scared. Yeah, so the, the one thing, like, hey, kid, like, you're 17, and I get the 17-year-olds <laughs> do stupid shit. But he ends up butt-dialing the cops. He's on the phone with them for four minutes. He realizes it and hangs up. Oh, no. The dispatcher called him back two or three times, and he was too scared and shaking nervous to answer. And then his dog starts going nuts, and it was like a few minutes, and he's surrounded by four officers. He should have just answered the phone and said, hey, I'm coming out front. I'm just playing a video game. Yes, like, you know, like a lot of parents, or even maybe as a kid, like I called the cops on a babysitter once. I don't remember why, but I did, and I got in trouble. But, um, like, you know, sometimes that'll happen where your kids will accidentally call or something. And if you can just respond and yes. say it was just an accident, you know, maybe they still, there was one time they did send a cop to the house just to like reiterate the importance of not calling if you, it's not an emergency. But um, yeah, usually you can kind of just squash that. Like you're 17, you should have known. Yes, for sure. So oh, I thought that was a funny one. He that did not, funny. he indeed did not commit a double homicide in real life. <laughs> But on the game, he did. <laughs> but on the game, he did. On Rainbow Six. Who knew? Yes. Okay. Cue the little music. Okay. And okay, this Austin, is Austin one? back with another, another news story, your co-anchor. All right. This next story. It's a quick one, but it's very cool. In 2012, Lloyd Devereux Richards, a father of three, wrote a crime thriller, Stone Maidens, and it was published by an Amazon subsidiary, Thomas and Mercer. Okay? okay. This book tells the story of an FBI forensic anthropologist investigating a serial killer who strangles women and dumps their bodies in the ravines of southern Indiana. Okay? Okay. He wrote this in 2012, crime thriller. Um, he he just he, he it was like his passion was writing this book. He spent 14 years working on the novel. Oh dear. I have a feeling I know where this is going. It's it, it was released to very little fanfare um and then shortly after publication he returned to his job as a full-time attorney and Stone Maidens the book has actually remained kind of a secret project uh that nobody knew about. Okay. Until his 40-year-old daughter up in the Indiana River. No, this is a positive story, <laughs> Kelly. Oh, sorry. <laughs> God, I bring the positivity. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, um, so this old guy, like, I just want to say this. He is, he is like just the nicest looking old dude ever. I mean, he's, hold on. I want to f- see how old he is. So he is 74 and okay. he's just like a gentle old man. Okay. Mm-hmm. His 40 year old daughter, um, her name is, I'm not like you, Kelly. Marguerite or something. I don't know. Kind of a strange name. Anyways. Sounds French. Yeah. So his 40-year-old daughter unleashed the power of social media. She posted a 16-second TikTok video that briefly recounted her father's journey as an author. It literally just kind of shows him working at his computer. I'll give you the video so you can post it on the page if Mm -hmm. you want. And she explains that her father has been working tirelessly on this book while raising three children. And he's so happy even though sales aren't great. It took off. Okay, the video's now been viewed 44 million times. Holy shit. It's received more than 9.6 million likes, and Stone Maidens, his crime thriller, has rocketed to the top of the Amazon bestseller list and has since dropped to number three in the past couple weeks. But the book's currently unavailable on Amazon due to the demand, and it just went nuts. And so after there's this 16-second TikTok, and then there's a video where 
she shows her dad this video and the power of what it did and how it's taking off. And he basically removes his glasses and starts almost crying and says how he's very happy and just can't believe it. And in an interview that he had with some news network, he said, the last week has been a whirlwind experience, truly mind blowing. And he was going through all of the comments and he was talking about how blessed he feels and how people are so nice. That is so sweet. Yeah. So this book that's been written since 2012 that he worked on for 14 years and just went unnoticed crime thriller. So I thought it was suitable for the podcast Yeah, is now in the top three bestsellers. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like I should go buy it and read it. That's awesome. The power of TikTok. You never know. Like there have been some, you know, people can hate on social media for valid reasons all they want, but there are some times when it can be used for good. And I like hearing stories like that. So thank you for sharing that. That was very good. Yeah, babe, you did fantastic. All right. Well, let's release headline news and I'm going to take you on a date. Awesome. Let's go. Love you. Mama. Love you. Mystery. Out. Bye.